So this is how Liberty dies. With thunderous applause. everyone and welcome back to another episode of Women of the Wills. I am one of your hosts, Nettie, and I am here today with Megan and Tammy. We have finally all reunited at last for this episode. Megan, Tammy, say hello to everyone. Hello. <laughs> Hi. And today we're also, by the way, uh, have a really awesome announcement. We have made a new addition to the Women of the Wheels family. Uh, everyone might know her and love her as uh, at Darth Molly online or previously known uh, as Mara Jade Babe. Um, everyone, please say hi to Molly, our newest addition to the Women of the Wheels team. Hi, Molly. Hello. <laughs> hello. Hello. So, so, so glad to have you on, finally, at long last, and we are all here together for this much-delayed episode that our listeners from day one have been waiting for us to release for 84 years. Uh, <laughs> it's been 84 years. Uh, yeah, this is the Revenge of the Sith episode. We're finally doing it, guys. We are finally doing it. <laughs> So, round of applause maybe, for maybe us. It's, a, it's a, you know, a good wine that has gotten better with age. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it's moldy cheese. We'll find out. Yeah, we'll find <laughs> we'll find out. I feel like it's a mix between both, honestly. I uh, like moldy cheese. I love moldy <laughs> cheese. I prefer moldy it's cheese, actually. Point raised blue. It's fine. It's fine. It's totally fine. All right. So, if we are ready to kick off the discussion uh i wanted to just kind of give the listeners an overview of what exactly we're going to do here today this is going to be part three of our revisiting the prequels uh 
trilogy thing that we started way back when I think it was actually last <laughs> summer um, that we started doing it and we just never were able to get around to this final episode um, we did other things um, bounced around a little bit but we're back with this and I hope you guys enjoy it because this has been a long time coming and basically what we're gonna do today uh, well, obviously, discuss Revenge of the Sith. Uh, Revenge of the Sith is really important to all of us for lots of different reasons. Um, we are all avid prequel lovers here. You will not find any ounce of prequel hate from either of us. I know personally, just so the listeners know, um, I have a few uh, Revenge of the Sith biases that I'm sure you guys will notice. But just putting out there before we start, I hate Mace Windu. Same. It's okay. Yeah, I do too. So that's going to affect our um, uh, analysis. Um, also, we are all Anadol stands five ever, so that yes. will impact our analysis. Oh yes. And also, um, I personally love this movie, but I also love the book almost as much. So mm. the novelization is a big part of my analysis. So I don't know if anyone else has any other biases they want to address, but. I have a few things. <laughs> if we're just like doing group therapy about this movie. <laughs> so this came out when I was in middle school. I think in like eighth grade. I was like super hardcore Padme fan, any doll stand. Like that was my thing that I cared about with the prequels. And when this movie came out, it literally felt like someone had ripped my heart out of my chest stomped on it, oh my. and then burned it, and then, like, dumped it into, like, the ocean or something. So, personally took it as, like, a personal offense, and and I put Star Wars away for a really long time. <laughs> oh, wow. So, yeah, I have uh, a lot of deep and complex feelings about this movie um, that that are still, like, uh, yeah, you may hear me kind of make some uh, noises in the back because I, I was traumatized. Um, and if you hear someone cheering the whole time, that's me because as I tweet like once a day, this is my favorite Star Wars movie. <laughs> Same. <laughs> it's my favorite. Um, this is what brought me um, into the fandom and they um I, I think i've tweeted this before but um they released the book for some wonderful reason before the movie came out and um so i got to read it before the movie and i got to listen to the soundtrack and i just like obsessed over it and then none of my friends cared so i had to Aww. internalize it a lot um so this one has a lot of i'm completely biased because it has like all this nostalgia for me even with all the sad stuff so it's I'm excited that and I'm excited that this is the first episode for me because this is definitely the movie that um I like hold closest to my heart so but I'm sorry you had that experience Tammy oh <laughs> um back now <laughs> yay um I'm going to probably well I'm actually older than Nettie so it's fine but um, this was the first Star Wars movie I was allowed to see in theaters. Um, <laughs> it came out when I was 10, and it was rated PG-13, but um, my parents took me anyways, and it, like, you know, changed my life. 
kind of ruined my life, but also changed it. I remember watching the watching the you know the intro scene with Obi Wan and Anakin flying around and the bunch of droids like like got me. I was at this you know, and of course it traumatized me because who needs to watch the end of Episode Three when you're ten years old? But um, like this was like the first one that brought me into like being a big girl fangirl. Amazing! Wow. Then, like, my experience with it as well, because I was also very young uh, when this film came out. Um, I was, like, I was teeny. I was teeny. And I actually saw this first time I saw this. I was, it was on VHS at my grandmother's house. She oh. had, she had all the prequels um, on VHS at her home, my abuela. And I would... One day, I just, like, I, I popped them in. Like, I think I did it out of order. I'm pretty sure I did Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith, and then The Phantom Menace. And it was, like, it was, yeah, it was, like, definitely, like, like way out of whack. Like, nobody told me otherwise, though. But it was it was still cool. And, like, anyways, like, all I remember, my young brain was, like, oh, okay, legs are being chopped off and all kinds of stuff. Okay, that's cool. And, you know, pretty much that was my impression of the film until I got a little bit older, way older, in fact. I never revisited any of the films until after The Force Awakens came out, actually. Um, yeah, never, that's when I really, you know, came back into, like, being a fan and, like, I realized, like, totally how miss, how much, like, I had, like, I knew I had, like, associated with these movies before, but I never, like, really, like, obsessed over them or anything until The Force Awakens came out and that's like a story I find a lot of people my age have and I rewatched this film uh at one in the morning in my room on this tiny little dvd player that I had and yeah it was the one you know like the portable ones that you put in the car yeah and I was just back I'm like okay so I had been re-watching the Star Wars films because like I want to get back into I want to get into this and like this is something that I like I want to obsess over so I got all the movies rented them from my library I didn't own any of them besides The Force Awakens yet and put it in I had just seen Attack of the Clones a few days before and I was completely run over by a truck. I was crying in my room at three in the morning by myself when uh, when Padme died and it was like Oh my goodness, I had not been prepared for that, and that was instantly my favorite film uh, up until The Last Jedi was released. That was my favorite film, um, and it still is very close to The Last Jedi for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was pretty cool though and like the I fell into this so much also because of I and a lot of us here are uh huge Raylo shippers as well and the parallels between Anadala and Raylo are obviously just extremely like overt to anyone like paying attention and that is also thanks, Ryan. that is also yeah thanks Ryan something that I latched onto <laughs> very heavily and that was super Shout out cool. To Ryan Johnson, avid listener, women of the world. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, hey! He retweeted me once. Thank you very much. I know he's listening. He liked my tweet once. I know he's listening. Sure, <laughs> <laughs> he replied to me one, that one time. So. Oh my gosh! Yes. that's cool. All right. So now that we have rehashed our experiences with this film, um, Megan, was there anything you wanted to say before we started a uh, discussion? Yes, I want to do my dramatic reading of the first page of the novelization. That's what I thought. <laughs> um, 
um, the novelization for Revenge of the Sith is written by Matthew Stober. Um, we have an actual conversation with, uh, was it with Matt Martin? I don't remember who it was with, about whether or not the book is And his answer was, sure. <laughs> so there are parts of this book that are definitely not canon just because they have been retconned by Clone Wars. Right. Um, but we've just kind of decided on a whole that this book is mostly canon. Yeah. Um, unless it's, like, overtly, like, wrong. Like, there's one bit, bit about Devil Falaba going to the dark side or something that's, like, not even close to true. But, but, so, but this is a beautiful book. And if you haven't read it or listened to the audiobook, I highly recommend it. Because um, it just gives this story so much extra life. You know, we already love it. But um, it just makes it a bit more. So, um, without further ado, I'm going to read the first page of the novel. This story happened a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. It is already over. Nothing can be done to change it. It is a story of love and loss, brotherhood and betrayal, courage and sacrifice, and the death of dreams. It is a story of the blurred line between our, our best and our worst. It is the story of the end of an age. A strange thing about stories. Though this all happened so long ago and so far away that words cannot describe the time or the distance, it is also happening right now, right here. It is happening as you read these words. This is how 25 millennia come to a close. Corruption and treachery have crushed a thousand years of peace. This is not just the end of a republic. Night is falling on civilization itself. This is the twilight of the Jedi. The end starts now. Oh, my heart. <sighs> in that one page just perspective that's like what every page is like yep like, yeah so I mess around it it's sounds like punch punch. it reminds me of like the retelling of like an epic or something like that like it, it really does it's so just like it's not i'm not looking for okay oh, like over dramatic I, I guess you would say like more like you know it like it's full-on emotion, like, there, like, yeah. It's, it's yeah. saturated. It's, yes, that's the word I was looking for. There you go. Um, but, and, you know, and I'm not going to read it, but the next chapter, there's a little mini-chapter that follows, is all about the war and how the the people of Coruscant, the people of the galaxy, look to Obi-Wan and Anakin as the heroes of the yeah. war. Right, and that's, like, established... I feel like that's definitely, like, a canon-type... canon thing as well, like... and Establishing. I, yeah, I, like, because I feel like that was established in Clone Wars, and it's more so, like, they've be become, like, almost, like, the <laughs> the poster... poster boys for the Republic. <laughs> and, like... Yeah. When Anakin um, takes the credit for rescuing the Chancellor, um, but, you know, they talk about in the book that, like, younglings across the galaxy know their names, and uh, even grown-ups are not immune. It's not uncommon for an exasperated parent to ask when faced with an offspring who has tried to form one of the most spectacularly dangerous bits of foolishness. So which were you supposed to be? Kenobi or Skywalker? Yep. That we don't think about, like, little kids across the galaxy, like, Broom Boy. Yes. Broom Boy is not the first Broom Boy to exist. Broom Boy has existed. 
in many different planets across many different conflicts. Broom boy um, is all of us. <laughs> like, like, you know, Luke was one icon, but so were Anakin and Obi-Wan. Exactly. <laughs> and so just really quickly, I'm going to get off my book soapbox in a second, but um, the last few sentences of this chapter um, are two is a, uh, a pair of Jedi starfighters. Only two. Two is enough. Two is enough because the adults are wrong and their younglings are right. Though this is the end of the Age of Heroes, it has saved its best for last. Oh my gosh! For last. <laughs> that leads into huzzah! The opening scene! The opening scene. Enter. Cue drums. <laughs> Cue drums. Uh, Tammy, take it away on this part. I know you got this part. <laughs> Okay, so I have a few notes about the very beginning. I feel like most, like a lot of my bulk of my notes are about the beginning of the film versus the end. And I don't know why, but that's just how I think about it. Because it's important. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So uh, I had some notes about the opening crawl. In this opening crawl, the word crumbling and the word evil are both used, um, which they hint at, you know, themes of like, corruption and the power of evil to corrupt which right. was also really relevant in that um, beginning that Megan just read the beginning of the novelization um, so that was interesting and then after the opening crawl there is the the music will opens up at the same time as the, the opening shot which is uh, is the it's a ship and there's like a rhythmic drum sound in the music and it sounds almost like a heartbeat Mm -hmm. um so i was thinking that you know that might be representative of that anakin's heart is still beating he's still human but there's this these like tense strings behind it so there's like this sense of foreboding Mm -hmm. indeed yeah very and like it's the music is extremely important like in this entire and not only in just in this film but in the prequels as a whole um because it very much calls back to Greek tragedies and the way that they were performed in, in theater way back when. Um, how uh, I, I think we talked about this in Attack of the Clones and uh, the Duel, not Duel of the Fates, <laughs> Phantom Menace episode. Uh, yeah, but how in uh, these stage plays way back when they would use these grand music uh keys and with like you know the vocalizations to let the audience who are in this like this huge theater and can't really see what's actually going on on stage because binoculars they didn't have them um to let them know what's going on on stage and the music is a key as to how the audience should be feeling and what important things they should be taking away from what's playing out on stage or in this case on screen. So And there's a reason that they call Star Wars a space opera. Opera, yeah. Yeah. Um, I was I was gonna say because we were talking about the drums. Um so I know I mentioned earlier that um I I had, they released the soundtrack again in the book, um, before the movie. And so I used, I was, I would listen to on my like iPod two or something like not even it's nice. <laughs> I think I, it's like the baby blue one with the click wheel. Um, but I listened to, um, 
I would listen to the soundtrack literally every day on the bus home from school. And um, that the percussion at the beginning, it isn't in the soundtrack. And so when I was in the theater and it started, I literally, my heart, like completely, I like, I distinctly remember having a bit of a panic attack because the drums were so unexpected. It was just so intense. And I absolutely mm-hmm. agree that it is mimicking that heartbeat because I mean, my heart completely fell into rhythm with it. And I like almost couldn't breathe, which is such a like strong reaction. Cause I typically like don't react during movies. So right. yeah, no, I completely agree. That's, um, that's a good point. I never thought of it that way though. Yeah. And it's like, definitely they, it's that reaction that you had to it is we you know what what they're kind of like fishing for as like filmmakers and like the as you know John Williams is the composer like yeah. it's, it's his job to let you know that at the beginning of this movie George Lucas clearly wanted to convey that okay this is it this is the last one this is where the rubber meets the road this is where everything ties together and this is this is it like and I'm it's here. Fear is such an important emotion in this movie, probably one of the biggest, most important driving emotions in this movie. So, you know, having that be the first emotion that like smacks you in the face is, is like really important. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. So, Oh, go ahead. Um, the, this movie opens so differently than every other saga film. Like, night and day i mean even even you know the the battle in the beginning of a new hope is just you know pew pew yeah (laughs) pause like two ships moving slowly this was the most high high paced you know entry into the film and it's like in it's it so offsets it from its you know predecessors immediately that's very true uh, which and it's interesting thinking about it in the context, even in the context of the Clone Wars, how different it is um, from the the Clone Wars, like the animated Clone Wars. Like the stakes are so much higher, and you can tell that from the first thirty seconds of the film. Oh yeah, yeah. And so going, continuing on with the opening of the film, um, the first few shots that we see are of this huge ships over Coruscant. The Battle of Coruscant is uh, is taking place, and. There, all these ships you notice, like, I remember the first time I saw this, I was like, wait, is that the Empire? <laughs> and, like, when you see the Republic gunships, it's, it's like, yeah, you see the Republic gunships, you see the the Jedi starfighters that look like TIE fighters in the front, and you, like, you, you get, you begin to see, oh, this is how... Yeah, this is how we get the transition from the Republic to the Empire. And it it shows, I love how they made that show within, like, the spacecraft and stuff. Like, that's always just been so cool to me. Kind of relevant for that is I had a quick note about how the there's so many, like, warm sunset colors at the beginning of this. Yeah. They're, like, Obi-Wan and Anakin are, are like, flying around in between the, like, golden, Coruscant is, like, a golden, warm, orange sunset color. Yeah. And then the space above it is just such, like, a deep, dark black contrast. And then it's so interesting that Obi-Wan and Anakin are just flying around in between space and Coruscant, like, you know, in between um, the, the golden light and the darkness. Mm-hmm. Yes. One quick novel note. Um, this is addressed in the novel that I never thought about before I read the novel, but 
um, all those ships that are destroyed in battle fall to Coruscant. Right. And Coruscant is also a battleground because the, the planet is handling those fires as they happen, those casualties as they happen. And it's not something we think about as viewers because it's not, you know, relevant immediately to our brains. But Coruscant's also a war zone. And we only yeah. see, you know, the Republic in its, you know, senatorial form. But Coruscant's a war zone. Yeah. Because think about all those things that fall to the planet's surface. They don't just stay in space. That's not how space works. Um, oh. So that, like, shook me, too. But but I'm going to quickly get to my epiphany. Um, so I had an epiphany because I was reading the word sunset. And Nettie has a note in her physical notes. Um, where is it? It's really funny. Um, she has something about, we're, enough with the dark side. Oh, yeah. Dark side is light. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Enough. Okay. I, 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 I see your blah, blah, blah enough and raise you. <laughs> I think this movie is about dark versus light. I think it's about uh, sunset versus sunrise. Right. Right. Yes. Yes. And I have a lot of notes about sunset. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's what got my brain thinking uh, faster than it usually does. Because um, everything that there's light versus dark, yes, but there's even a lot of, there's a lot of talk in the novel about how darkness only exists because it's an absence of light. Exactly. Like, it's about darkness and all this stuff. But if you think about it, everything, it's not you know, flipping over a coin from one side to the other. It's a, a subtle switch. Cause even, you know, sunset is subtle enough until it's dark. That's and, true. Um, I think like, especially, um, well, I mean, I'll go into it as we talk through the, the film, but, um, that's my big, that's my big movie soapbox. Um, because there's just so much, even, even Anakin versus Dooku in this first scene is Anakin, is you know the sun that's setting <laughs> but because literal he is you know the son of the jedi and he's doing this thing that's so dark right uh, but and to while palpatine is rising behind him um so yeah lots of lots of that because it's not it's not as concrete as dark versus light it's changing which i think is what this film does right and i meant that in like a different kind of way but i understand what you're saying like that's just what i saw that movie thing yeah yeah i understand what you're saying that totally. No, totally i understand the rest of your note i didn't i didn't read the rest of your note because <laughs> it's all good <laughs> i'll talk about it later but uh, yeah i totally agree with your your soapbox point um okay so moving on just a little bit i want to talk about the characters that we see in these uh opening sequences right here First of all, mainly uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan. Um, right now, they are flying, as you said, uh, through the space over Coruscant. And they are fighting off a heck ton of droids and all kinds of other crazy separatist stuff. Uh, pew, 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 blast, 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 and all kinds of stuff. And they, yeah, my, my sound effects are amazing. And I... I love them. Ever. <laughs> And their whole relationship, honestly, like in this moment is like their interaction is like, so it's so cute. And I love it. It, it harkens back to, I especially love the fact that 
again, Dave Filoni, thank you again so much because here we do see a few clones flying as well. And it's like when I saw this for the first yeah. time, I hadn't seen Clone Wars yet. And I went back and after I watched Clone Wars and I'm like, why? Why did you make me care about all these clones that die in this movie what? and all this stuff? Like, I didn't care. And then you made me care. <laughs> I didn't want to care what you made me. <laughs> and it's ugh, so good. But anyway, talking about Obi-Wan and Anakin again. And they're, uh, yeah. So here we see them probably at the their closest that they will be throughout this whole film. There's this beginning sequence as far as like their relationship, like being close, you know, as like friends still. Um, we do see a little, Oh, go ahead. Interrupting novel note: This scene is like ten times as long in the novel. Yes, it is. And <laughs> they're like even closer, and then it like it's just so cute because like Obi Wan's all like, "Uh, I'd rather be like you know talking to these droids instead of actually fighting them." And then Anakin's all like, "Watch me be a total daredevil and do some crazy stuff that no one else can do because I'm awesome." It's like, yeah, <laughs> little boy Annie. I'll try spinning. When Obi Wan gets, gets, um, <laughs> gets covered in vulture droids or buzz droids, sorry, the buzz droids, um, he's all like, "Okay, it's the end. I'm gonna accept my fate." Bye. And then Anakin's all like, "Just kidding, dude. Like, no, that's not happening." And he just like does this well, crazy stuff to save him. It's just, it's really funny. Um, I was gonna point out though that like. It's such a subtle, that part, and um, I think that, like, Revenge of the Sith, like, really drives home Anakin's desire to save people because, you know, you do see that with his mom in um, the previous films or how much he cares about her. But, like, it's super important um, that we see even, like, small glimpses of how Anakin is just, his refusal to just say, like, okay, yeah, I guess this is the end. Uh-huh. Um, so it's just like, it's just so, it's so heartwarming. No, I love it. I love it. I love their dynamic. I love their banter. And I mean, you get more of it in the Clone Wars. Um, and I think that like, honestly, their relationship in the Clone Wars is even better, uh, just cause it's expanded more, but like, yeah. even just these small glimpses, at least when we didn't even have the Clone Wars yet is just like you know, by the end of the film, spoiler alert, but by the end of the film, when they're, <laughs> if you haven't seen the end of Revenge of the Sith, when they're no longer friends, no, um, then it hurts even more. So now I think it's, it's a beautiful thing. It is. It really is. And Tammy, I hear you like in pain over there, over these two. <laughs> um, um, so, um, the whole, like, foster-father type of, like, yeah. found family thing, it, it it really, like, hits me really deep. And the whole Anakin, like, not, like, not accepting things just in general, um, it also it is, like, yeah, I feel that, bro. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a mood. <laughs> I don't know. There's just it's just so important to his character and the whole thing that everything that happened in all of the prequels is it's so important that he just like that's the reason why he would never be a perfect Jedi 
because he would not accept, you know, the, that way the things just wouldn't be the best way that they could possibly be. Like he would do everything he could possibly do. Wait, Tammy, are you implying that maybe the theme that has been going on his entire life? What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, no. yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe he took it a little too far. No. Maybe. <laughs> I just have a lot of like thoughts about the whole concept of um, self will versus the will of the force. And I know that Ooh, I same on my Twitter a lot. Um, because it's, it's very important and it has like, uh, it's so hard to draw the line of where do you draw the line of this is a good thing and this is what I want. And this is also a good thing that I want, but also it could be bad if I make it happen. Like, right. It's, so, it's such a slippery slope. It, we'll get into that like very soon. Like, but first I want to like get through this first half cause it's like, okay, yeah, it's okay. Cause like, there's a lot. There's a lot. And I'm just, like, trying to make sure that we can, like, give each time, each part the time it needs. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So, we continue on a little bit more. Uh, Anakin, surprise, ends up saving uh, Obi-Wan. He saves his bed. Uh, while almost managing to kill him at the same time. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's usually how it works with those two, though. Uh, they end up crashing inside one of the Separatist uh, hangar bays. And... After some uh, funny interactions with uh, some battle droids and such, uh, they end up escaping and are after the Chancellor, who, by the way, has been kidnapped and is being held. Oh no, he is a hostage on Count Dooku's ship. <gasps> he is being held there against his will. Not, he's there, you know, like, just talking and chilling and hanging out with Dooku, like, having tea. Meanwhile, Palpatine's thinking in the back of his mind, you're gonna die in a few hours. But anyway, yeah. uh, so they go up and they're at, after much more hilarious elevator banter. <laughs> Love between it. the two of them of two. <laughs> and r2d2 as usual saving the day and no, setting things on fire <laughs> he i love him because they're in his way i love him that's why i love him like get out of my way or die i feel that i feel that <laughs> i really just put all of the comedic relief in the first 20 minutes of this movie <laughs> and that's it that's yeah, okay. it <laughs> They really, really do, and they get a bunch of stuff out. I'm just gonna like to point out they get a bunch of stuff out of the way too because they do all of the traditional. Oh, I have a bad feeling about this. And uh -huh. then we also get the Wilhelm scream where they're like, ah! and to <laughs> my like absolute favorite. Yes, yeah, so I'm just here to do uh, all the sound yeah. effects. Do <laughs> it. But um, also the um, my favorite, which is R2's um, scream. That like everything gets out of the way. It's just like this. Not slapstick comedy, but it's just, it's a good time. I have R2 scream as my text tone, by the way. So each time you guys, like, text me, my phone screams. We <laughs> <laughs> talk about how great R2 is, but this is his, this is, like, his movie. Yes. Um, can I go on a quick novel R2 tangent for, like, two seconds? Please. Um, so there's a bit about how Anakin loves Padme so much, but since he's a Jedi and has nothing, and has nothing to give her when they get married, um, oh, yeah. she gives him, or he gives her 3PO, 
um, because he has no need for a protocol droid, but she as a senator does. Um, and then in turn, Padme gives him R2 because she's a senator. Why does she need an astromech? He's the Jedi pilot. He needs the astromech. And it's so cute. And I don't. Wedding gift. How does no one question it, though? Like, why is nobody... How is it... Why does he have your droid? Oh, I don't right? know. Right? <laughs> this isn't her droid. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, there's a cow. Yeah. They really are their droids. It's not like R2 is Padme's and 3PO's Anakin's. Like, they give them to each other, and that makes it even better when Leia gets them. And anyways, I will yeah. continue. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, more, they're, like, freaking out as they're in the elevator because all of a sudden the elevator starts plummeting to the floor, um, Obi-Wan and Anakin, and they're screaming at R2-D2. I love this sequence. <laughs> I love this whole entire sequence because, to me, I'm just thinking. There's, like, this post on, I think it was, like, on Tumblr somewhere that, that shares a specific scene, and it's, like, Qui-Gon, meanwhile, is just, like, in the netherworld of the Force, just, like, pinching the bridge of his nose and wondering how on earth did his teaching manage to produce these two Jedi. Um, <laughs> it's like, how? It. <laughs> but at the same time, he's also very proud of them. And it's like, oh. like, uh, oh my god. Boys. Oh, like, they're like, <laughs> I love when Anakin lands back in the elevator, though, after he cuts the hole in it, oh, and geez. lands back in it. Oh, it's you. Like, who did you think it was? <laughs> <laughs> it's surprise it's yoda <laughs> but like <laughs> jump scare <laughs> terrifying or no it's palpatine he just lands in the elevator like hey <laughs> but yeah and that whole elevator sequence happens and i love it and eventually they make their way into where palpatine is being held air quotes, hostage. <laughs> and he's there just, just sitting there. Um, Dooku was probably, Dooku was probably like hiding in the corner at first, but then like found this like little, he's got, got this whole little system going where he just has to crawl through the air duct to go back around up to the top of the stairs where that door opens and he's right there to make his grand entrance with those two droids. Uh, yeah, let me, let me just, let yeah. me just point out, um, by the way, I, that is what I am most terrified of in the Star Wars universe are those magna droids. Thank you. Those things, I I think those things are freaking cool, but I understand I understand your terror of them. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I understand. Like they can fight with they can fight with their heads cut off. Like that's kind of nope. unsettling. Nope. Nope. <laughs> that is very unsettling. So they walk in and Obi Wan. And Anakin go up to the Chancellor like, Chancellor, are you okay? And then all of a sudden, Dooku, Dooku makes his grand entrance. Ta-da! He's back there in the back. And like, get help. Like, first of all, okay, Palpatine, get help. Who are we going to get help from? And he's like, you're no, you're no match for a Sith Lord. They're Jedi. That's practically their job that they've been doing for the entirety of the Clone Wars. And you're going to tell them, go get... Who are they going to get to help? I'm sorry, but the clones cannot help. They're not going to be able to help on the, this way. So, like, Palpatine... You. I, Commander I, Cody can do it. I have faith in Commander Cody, but to be fair, this is... Count Dooku and I don't I don't I don't want my clone boys in Count Dooku's way okay like no keep them far away from him so <laughs> but yeah so Palpatine who do you think is going to help um but anyway so and then Sith Lords are apparently their speciality speciality, speciality. 
affected me always. Mm-hmm. Can, we, can we pause for a minute and just talk about how ridiculous that they don't know that Palpatine is a Sith Lord and Sith Lords <laughs> are the speciality? <laughs> I never thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> no, Palpatine's like, you sure? <laughs> but not only that, but the only Sith Lord oh, really? encountered in canon is Maul. That's and true. That was in like and we were babies. Because like Ventress was like a Sith acolyte, so she wasn't really like a Sith. Yeah, and she leaves the Sith. I mean, I guess Ventress counts, but Ventress didn't exist when this came yeah. out. Right. So it just it just makes me laugh. But and I think that might be a bit of dramatic irony that they're trying to put in there about the <laughs> like the hubris of the Jedi. Um, yeah. And I think that really may be something they're trying to be like, uh. Sith Lords are a speciality. Oh, Two seconds point. later. <laughs> Two seconds later, a Sith Lord takes over your entire democratic system. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> are you no, sure? I think, I think definitely that, is, you know, we should not take that literally because, you know, Obi-Wan is being Obi-Wan. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Being a charming, you know. Charming man. I say a bad word that I can't say. <laughs> I've come so far, guys. I'm not swearing. I've come so far. You are. I have to edit this podcast much less now. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So, the fight between Anakin, Count Dooku, and Obi-Wan then ensues. Um, They take them together this time. Uh, Yeah. No. You know. And uh, Obi-Wan... Obi-Wan ends up being shoved under a uh, platform thing Uh, that, by all rights and accounts, should have uh, at least uh, broken both of his legs. (laughs) (laughs) At least broken both of his legs, if not killed or permanently paralyzed him. Uh, But that doesn't happen, which I'm glad. Uh, That's like, oh God, it makes like the screeching sound. And like, look, I don't. I love this. The CGI for the time was great. Yeah. But for some reason, that one, that is maybe my only criticism, is just that one part when it just shoves him forward yep. like that. Yeah. And his head, it's just the CGI right there has always bothered me. It's and I wonky. Ugh. Yeah. Okay, but that's the only one. That's the only one. Oh, yeah. No, and it's like, a, it's, a, it's a fair I, criticism. Yeah. I kind of have a little, little bit of a, hmm, I wonder. I wonder if. Palpatine told Dooku to try and take out Obi-Wan first, or, like, yes. try and separate him. Yes. Pause. Novel soap. I was about to say. I was about to say. Go okay. ahead. Ready? Yes. You ready for this? Go Basically, ahead. the goal, the whole reason why Palpatine set up this whole thing where he pretended to be kidnapped and had Dooku be there was to get rid of Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. Obi-Wan was mm-hmm. the only obstacle between Anakin assuming his rightful place as his apprentice and... Palpatine was basically like, okay, Dooku, you're going to kill Obi-Wan. That's what's going to happen. And that obviously didn't work, so Palpatine had to go to plan B, which was, you know, destroy everything, not just Obi-Wan. Right. So, that is literally a thing. Um, yep. So, that was a great... Well, thank you for the validation. Thank yeah. You. That was, you are spot on. Indeed. Um, on my rewatch of this, I'm like, how many, like, I, I've, I've never really picked up on this before, but I was like, Sidious is really just trying to separate Anakin from Obi-Wan for the first half of this movie. Yeah, he is. Yeah. He's just like, leave him behind. We can't, we just, we can't take him with us. And Anakin's like, 
no, he's fine. He's like heart's good, breathing. He's good to go. No head injuries. And uh, Palpatine's just like, no, we've got. He's a dead man. I love that. Like, <laughs> he's dead. He's still breathing, but he's dead. But he's still yeah. breathing. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Like, are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Um. So yeah, the one quote I, I actually just found it. I'm so good at this. Um. The this was the day, the hour, the death of Obi Wan Kenobi would be the death of the Republic. Today would see the birth of the Empire. That is what Dooku is thinking right before they get to him. Right. Right. So, because Dooku was originally thinking he was like in this for the long run. And I honestly, um, I honestly can't remember if Dooku just died because he didn't kill Obi Wan. That was part of it. But yeah, that was whole plan was that this was gonna this was gonna go down a lot more quickly if the plan one is planned right and then the plan goes wrong or at least it does in dooku's mind um you know it all ties back to anakin being so attached to obi-wan that the death of obi-wan would immediately create an empire exactly yeah Yeah. like Uh, the way that he just thinks that yeah he's too old to be a jedi because he's too attached anyways continue that was my soapbox. Well, it was an important soapbox, so <laughs> we will we will come back to you for another soapbox moment in a few moments. But uh, uh, and yeah, the so that plan, and according to Dooku's mind anyway, that goes wrong um, when both terribly wrong when both right. of his hands get cut off by Anakin, <laughs> and yeah, so it's like fatally wrong. It's it's not. To, These are the first hands we lose in the movie. It's not been a good day for uh, Count Dooku, and uh, it will be his last because. Uh, Can I to our listeners. Yeah, go for it. If anyone knows Count Dooku's first name? Please tell me. Yeah, I okay okay okay. okay. Here's the thing. Have you read Jedi Lost? No. Okay. So this is this is kind of a spoiler, so I don't want to say anything, but Dooku is actually his first name. Okay. Dooku is actually his first name. His last name, he does not have a last name for reasons that you will find out when you read the book. Gotcha. So he's just like Okay. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Molly, have you read it? British monarch, you know, King George, Count Dooku. That makes um, sense. I didn't, I haven't, I had it spoiled a lot for me. Ah, okay. um, Because no one, which it's fine. Taglers on Twitter, it's a thing. I get it. Right. Um, And I absolutely do want to, I absolutely want to read it. Like I, isn't that an audiobook or is it? It's it's an audiobook and they are going to uh, transcribe it into like a regular book at some point, I believe. But Gotcha. Get the audiobook. It is so, 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 so good. Yeah, it's oh my an audio gosh. Drama, so, like, actors for each part and everything. Let's just right. say it makes me feel sorry for Count Dooku in a lot of ways. Yeah, <laughs> it really heard. does. Funny. And, like, some people, like, don't want to feel that way about him, which I understand. But, like, at at the same time, it's it also contributes to, it also contributes to a lot to understanding the Jedi, why they are the way they are. And a lot of also how the Jedi work as well. Like what actually happens inside the temple that you won't 
really get anywhere else, not even in Clone Wars. And I think that's pretty cool. Um, a lot of the inner workings are there and a whole bunch of other cool stuff. A lot of crazy Force stuff is in there, and I highly recommend it. It also gives you a great understanding into uh, Qui-Gon as well. And it is, a, it is a great precursor. I highly recommend that you read or listen to Jedi Lost before you read Master and Apprentice. It will make okay, a lot much more sense. Fine. It'll make much more sense to you if you do. But anyway, <laughs> uh, off that for a moment. So, uh, yeah, Dooku dies. His head rolls uh, off Yay. to the side um, after Palpatine. Oh, wow. After Palpatine told him to do it, and he did it. And <laughs> while we're talking about uh, side uh, books that uh-huh. are about Dooku ish. Um, have you guys read Dark Disciple? Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. So I read like ninety nine point nine percent of that book. For some reason, I just I just stopped reading it in the last chapter. You <laughs> <laughs> don't want it to end. Oh. Uh. <laughs> but um, so it's like that. That a lot of that book has to do like the conceit of uh we should kill Dooku. No, we shouldn't kill Dooku. Right. It's bad to kill Dooku. Um, and because yeah, it's not the Jedi way. Funny, <laughs> funny to watch a uh, revenge of the Sith after reading that and being he like, oh, it. he did it. <laughs> he done it. It's done. That's okay. Cool. That, that book is kind of what made me hate Mace even more than I already did. Oh yeah. But, like the, you know, the hubris of the Jedi of them being above things like this. And that being their downfall. Like, it's just, it's so Greek. Right. Like, we will talk about that in a minute. Okay. Uh, yeah, sorry to cut you off, but we don't we don't want to get too, too, too much ahead. Um, so, okay, so that whole part where, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Is it look at us policing ourselves. Oh. <laughs> I, yeah, I just, like I said, I'm just trying to, like, get the conversation divided up. <laughs> but, um. That unity. Thank you. Um, so. Like I said, Dooku's head rolled off. Uh, back to that part. And that, how very quick it was, um, I, we, we touched on it just a little bit, but um, the fact that a lot of people, I know, I know a lot of people, they're like, there are me- prequel memes. Prequel memes are amazing. Um, but un- um, unfortunately, a lot of people, um, how do you say, the prequel memes are the way that people actually view the movies. And it's like, oh, old guy tells this guy to do it once, and he does it. No. It's been building up to this for a long time. Um, and it the way the way that it, it happens is, like, he's telling him to do it. Anakin believes this guy to be, like, this good guy. You know, he believes the Chancellor. He says in Attack of the Clones, the Chancellor's not corrupt. And, you know, throughout the whole Clone Wars, he looks up to Palpatine. He actually listens to Palpatine, where he doesn't listen to many other people. And Palpatine's always been that one exception because he sees him as more of a, as a, as a father figure. He, while he yeah. does, while he does see Obi-Wan in that way as well, he also sees Obi-Wan as kind of like more of the older brother, I would say, than a lot of people That's say, a, a lot of people say that they see like a father-son relationship between them. I've never really seen it that way. No. Um, I've seen it as like older brother, younger brother type interaction with the two of them. And like, it is very similar to a father-son interaction that way. Um, and the fact Older that brother, younger brother with a big age gap. Oh yeah. I mean, and oof. definitely. And 
like how how easily like this is their back to Anakin, you know, killing Dooku. It's like he tells this guy tells you to do it. You believe this guy to be a good guy. You believe him to be in the right. He tells you to do something that goes against what you think is right. But you do it anyway. To me, this... Can I... I want to put this in here really quick before the thought leaves my mind. Um, Harkening back to... We know that the uh, Star Wars does connect a lot to uh, religion and myth and all sorts of stuff like that. Well, going into uh, Christianity, we actually find a story very similar to this in which a character is told to kill his own son as a sacrifice uh, to God. And he is about to do it. He's about to kill his own son. But then divine intervention happens and is like, no, this was a test. Don't kill your son. Kill this other sacrifice, which is like a lamb randomly walks up and he's like, kill this other sacrifice I have for you instead. To me, I've always seen this as a twisted version of that. This is more like, uh, kill this, not in a way of prove your loyalty to me, prove in a way that you're worth me pursuing you as my possible apprentice, the way Palpatine was viewing him as. is like, you know, are you really, will you really listen to everything I say, even if it's completely wrong, no matter how dark and twisted it is, are you really going to do everything I say? You did it. He did it. And it's like, okay, that's it. That seals the deal. You are, you are now, because if he would have been too weak to do it. Dooku doesn't need hands to, you know, use the force or anything like that. There have been handless Jedi, blind Jedi, all kinds of stuff. You know, you don't need hands we to use it. Ball, no yeah, no legs. It's like, so he could have kept Dooku as a backup apprentice, like if he wanted to. And, but he didn't because he knew that this, he was confident that this would work. And it did. And so. The concept of it being a test. I think that's pretty interesting. I, I'm maybe. It, it's like more of a test of like how far along is Anakin into his fall? Like, is he at the point where now he would do something like this? Or is he primed like, and ready? Yeah. Yeah. Do I need to like, you know, string him along a little bit more? Right. And then the second that Dooku's head like hits the floor, it, the music goes very kind of like thin and foreboding. And then well. you hear him swallow really loudly. <laughs> yep. Really loudly. Um, but I don't. I think we don't even really acknowledge the manner in which uh, Palpatine says, "Do it." Like, yes, it is the best meme to exist from the prequels. That's a fact. But I use um, it often. <laughs> you know, he's he's Palpatine, friendly, elderly mentor, father figure, and then, but as soon as he says, "Do it," he snaps into his Sidious voice. Do it. And, yeah. <laughs> oh, and Anakin doesn't notice it because Anakin's, you know, deciding whether or not he's going to kill a human. But, like, you you can see it on his face that he's, like, I don't even know. Are we, like, does, does charm speak exist in the Force? Is, this, is he compelling? <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, is maybe he's, like, putting some dark side into his voice. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's, the way, ooh. the way he delivers that is so, you know, deliberate um, and different than every other word he's said so far. So it's just, like, he is compelling him even further than he already has been as a mentor and you, you can hear it you can see it on his face um and you know it's still what an hour and a half before um he actually kneels as vader like right this is not even 
this isn't even the climax of him becoming the apprentice. This is like beginning stages of, you know, I want to, I don't want to say like hypnosis, but right. This is the beginning of it. And he's still already using that stiff energy. If it's, I may call it. That. Yeah. It's a slow takeover. Definitely. And it has been. And it's a sunset of his good. Sorry. How to do it. Right. Um, <laughs> but pretty soon afterwards of this, um, I, Anakin and Sidious are kind of just talking and Sidious kind of mentions something about the sand people, right? Like right there. When you hear it. And they're just like casually talking about it because I guess Sidious is like trying to comfort Anakin. Like it's not that, it's not that, you know, big of a deal. Right. It's kind of happened before but whatever he's trying like trying to comfort him because Anakin um feels guilty and just the fact is like oh wait Anakin has told right and it's like almost comfort in like a twisted way like almost like a a chiding kind of yeah like remember what you did yeah yeah like you know like you're not that you're not that great remember you did this yeah (laughs) that's how I see it (laughs) Definitely. Almost, like abusive, almost like it's like that emotional, like, oh, you're a piece of crap, <laughs> you know, like, definitely, you... no, definitely. My notes were my notes about this is like, he's just so creepy. Very. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe all the time. But yes, especially right now, I mean, like in that, because it's, it's one thing to know something and another thing to take that knowledge and, and use it. Right. Like, um, and especially if you look at, you know, Padme knows the same thing, but she does the opposite with it. Um, cause you know, she's, she's wonderful. I also wonder, did, did Obi-Wan know this? Did Anakin ever tell him? Mm. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Why would he have told him that? I don't he, think so. He values Obi-Wan's judgment over almost anyone. And I think he even values Obi-Wan's judgment over Palpatine's. Right. Cause Palpatine is yes, a mentor and, and advisor and a father figure, but like Obi Wan, I think he values Obi Wan's approval more than he does Palpatine's because he's already Palpatine's golden boy. There's not much you can do to change that, right? But I think he would do something or say something to Obi Wan that would automatically like set him back from, especially with Obi Wan's such high concrete morals. I can't imagine that conversation happening. Indeed. Right, and I'm sure if Obi-Wan had known, some kind of action would have been taken, like, up the line or something, so. (laughs) He would have been like, hey, uh, Jedi Council, I think you need to know this. Right. I don't even think he'd be able to live in Tatooine among the Sand People without thinking about it every day if he knew. Yeah. Unless, you know, that's an extra level of Obi-Wan self-torture, which is also possible. <laughs> True. Well, yeah, that, that, whole, that whole thing, the whole thing about Obsidious being privy to that whole incident, just gave me a lot of pause, and I'd never really thought about it before. Yeah, it's it's kind of creepy. Like, yeah, it's really creepy. Like, scary to think about. But okay, so we'll get to more creepy Palpatine moments very gotta, soon. Gotta we gotta get, we gotta get going. We're still not out of the first part yet. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I don't know. We, we, our next part here 
I have in my notes, enter Grievous, <laughs> the middleman. And, you know, yeah. here he is, you know, enter Grievous. They end up, right. uh, the ship Love. ends up going out of whack. The ship ends up going out of whack. Everything falls all over the place. And they end up uh, getting captured and brought to Grievous. Um, quick side note here. Um, in my notes, I had, like, typed out a quick little thing. Um, this is, comparison has been made before. But uh, Palpatine's students versus his final student, Vader. Uh, Palpatine's students he had in the prequels were the metal, the man, and the monster, a.k.a. Uh, Grievous, Dooku, and Darth Maul. Uh, they're all a type of combination of Anakin, of what Anakin becomes later in the film. And yeah. we've had, uh, I just think it's like, I think it's so cool, like, the way they did that, it's like, blows so my cool. mind every time. And we had, they all have extremely different personalities, whereas Darth Maul, you don't get to see too, too much of his personality in the, in the first film, where he says, uh, three lines, he says less lines than Riccole, uh, <laughs> uh, he is much more rounded out in the Clone Wars, and is much more terrifying in the Clone Wars. <laughs> Very terrifying. And the combination of the metal, the man, and the monster, um, which is like the metal, the literal type of unfeeling, uh, literal metal that Anakin becomes, uh, the man, which is left, pieces left inside of him, which was, you know, akin to Dooku, how Dooku was a Sith Lord, but he was still fully, you know, regular dude, regular guy. And then versus the uh -huh. monster, uh, versus, like, the monster, just Darth Maul you see, especially in the Clone Wars, is literally just pure bottled up, like, just rage and death in form. I mean, he's just, he's um, just terrifying. He literally gets bored one day and kills a path of, pack of Raftars, because he can. Like, like, why? I love Raptors. Because he was bloodthirsty and Palpatine wouldn't let him kill Jedi, so he went to find Raptors that were killing other Raptors. Like, oh, I'm going to kill you guys now. No. Daddy, um, I was going to say that you're, um, that it's completely true, and it's so important that the last version, you know, the last part of the three parts of Anakin are, it's grievous, because I don't know how... It seems like, I don't know, that this isn't as commonly known, but Grievous's uh, backstory was that he was yes. um, in love. And then hit. I cannot remember, I mean, I can't remember her name. She's, like, not even, like, a, <laughs> she's not in a, there's no Grievous, like, spinoff series or anything. But um, she, you know, she um, gets killed, and that's what, like, turns him, I guess, I don't, like, evil. Or well, bloodthirsty. right. He was actually part of like his clan that he was in, or something. Um, yeah. Warring clans, or something like that. He became like this type of general. Was involved in like this huge accident, and was like basically yeah. overhauled by Dooku um, to become like you know this new. It's Anakin all yeah. over again. It's that lost love, and it's um, you know more machine than man now, and um, it's just like. It's exact. I never, I don't know. There's like so many metaphors that like you don't think about when you're a tween and seeing this movie, you're just like, oh my God, Ian Christensen is so cute. And I love, um, the feathery hair, but like, 
get older then you see all of those different metaphors like that oh yeah oh my gosh like every there's so many little details like that that's just like all these clues that you just never would notice um just like passively watching the movies it's just it's super cool and i'm a big Rivas fan i I could watch him spin sabers all day same (laughs) yes Um, can i mention the, the funny Grievous tidbit um that you know they say i expect you to be taller yeah um the for the the creators of Clone Wars had to act. <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite. <laughs> Make sure they don't meet. Because <laughs> that was like one plot hole they couldn't fix. Yeah, so they sure that they really passed past each other in hallways and stuff, and it was just like the best. That's right. I love that. So funny, and so they end up they end up fighting. Uh, but first, uh, before Grievous actually gets his hands dirty, he sends his droids out, um, the Magna Guards, uh, to do his dirty work first. Magna Guard soapbox. Uh, do no. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> to be the only things that could kill Jedi. Right. According to the novels, they had killed Jedi. Mm-hmm. Many uh-huh. Jedi. Um, but Dooku um, didn't really approve, I think, but... Groove's like, nah, man, I'm making my droid bots. They're going to kill everyone. Yep. And then they couldn't kill Obi-Wan and Anakin. No, because they got their heads sliced off. And they kept fighting with their heads sliced off. But anyway, that was Hate fun. it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Whoever designed them was like, Molly's going to absolutely well, hate this. Fun fact, the designs for the Magna Guards were actually originally designs for Grievous, but they were kept and used as his little cronies instead of the actual design for Grievous himself. So, pretty I'm cool. I'm okay with that. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, by the way, check out the concept art book for Revenge of the Sith. It's amazing. I need it. <laughs> it's amazing. Nutty. What's up? Nutty. Um, I didn't get to talk about my favorite quote in the entire novel. Oh my goodness. What is it? <laughs> we missed. Um, excuse me. Oh no. <laughs> we did miss it. No. Okay. Obi-Wan Kenobi opened his eyes to find himself staring at what he strongly suspected was Anakin's butt. Anakin's butt. Yes. Like Why? Anakin's butt. Well, his pants, anyway. Though it was thoroughly impossible for Obi-Wan to be certain, since he had never before had occasion to, exa- to examine Anakin's butt upside down, as it currently appeared to be, nor from this rather uncomfortably close range. Okay, imagine being, like, 14 and reading that. Yeah, like, I was so happy. I think my, my big failing of... Be, of remaining a fan was just not reading this novelization. <laughs> you have to Damn me, you must. I, I think it would have turned out differently. For I think it would have absolutely changed um, how you yeah. saw it. Molly, why were we not friends at this point? And because our city's too big. <laughs> too big. So sad. Okay. Anyway, sorry. Right. Continue. So sorry, now that we've. I didn't mean to backtrack, but that was important. No, yeah, no, Anakin. No, it's very important. Discussion of Anakin's butt is definitely very important. So I mean, they, uh, they made him for a reason. They did. They did. Ugh. That's very true. <sighs> anyway, okay, we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> All right. So uh, they fight Grievous. Uh, bunch of bunch of fighting. Bunch of stuff. Uh, Grievous ends up jumping out a window um, and runs away, being so extra. Being extra as usual, would rather jump out a window than than fight. I feel I feel that, and the the ship 
starts to crash and burn and literally breaks in half. And who could, who else could fly this? But Anakin Skywalker, who could fly Kitster. half a piece of jet? Okay, true. Kitster could probably do it. Uh, <laughs> that is totally valid. Where is Kitster when you need him? Okay, that that landing would have been so much more smoother if Kitster had been his co-pilot instead of Obi Wan. I'm not. Oh, okay. Thank you for that. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, but really quick, Tammy had a really cool note about this whole descent of the ship into Coruscant um, and Anakin Skywalker. So, Tammy, take it away. I have a thing. So, um, the ship is on fire while falling to Earth, which is really cool. I mean, not Earth, it's Coruscant, but you know what I mean. Yeah, same, same thing. <laughs> so, I, I just, for some reason, I was like, eh, Icarus, because I'm thinking about yeah. Yes. Um, so, Icarus, as he was trying to escape the the Minotaur maze and everything, well, not maze, well, he was in a prison with his dad, I think. I, I, I read the story a long time ago. Not too important. Job. He's trying to escape something. Okay. And he was told not to fly too near to the sun or too close to the water because the wings are powered by the interaction of sun and water. For some reason, sun plus water equals wind. Also, they were they were held together with wax. They were wax. Right. Yeah. Right. So yeah, if he flies too close to the sun, the wax would melt and that would be a problem. And if he flies too Great close to the water, then they would the wings would get wet and then that would also be a problem. So a so big problem. In this analogy, if we're making Anakin Icarus um, which I freaking love this analogy. Okay. Yes. Um, so <laughs> yes. the sun being the light side and the water being the dark side. Um, and you know, having to stay in between the two, um, it's just very interesting because Anakin's fall to the dark side being, you know, paved with the, this good intention, mm-hmm. um, the light side. So with Icarus, he fell too close. Uh, he was, he flew too close close to the sun and then fell into the water because he was too close to the sun. Um, so I just think that's interesting. Um, and there also the whole thing is Icarus was given these instructions by his father. Yeah. Um, so his father's the one that made the wings and he told him, um, what to do. So it's just be, and it's just interesting to think of like who would be the father for Anakin. Um, I guess that's, it's been a big thing, you know, just find kind of for his whole character. It's like the force is his father, I guess, but then Obi-Wan's not his father, but then Palpatine's kind of acts like father. And it's, it's just a question of who is the father. Yeah, I yeah. am your father. <laughs> <laughs> like all that's playing, like, as you were talking, like, I, I love that story of uh, that analogy that you had of Icarus and like I've never it's wonderful I've never thought about that before but I've always associated no. I've uh, ever since it came out uh, a few years ago it's a song by uh, the band uh, Bastille uh, called Icarus yes and I've always associated that song with him and I never really clicked in my head why but that's because he is Icarus so um yeah, Icarus is flying too close to the sun towards an early grave, and that's also, really sad. 
Very small side note. Um, I did a project um, in high school on literary illusions of Icarus, and I did not think of this then. And I'm like, oh. back in time and punch myself in the face. Oh, like, my oh. gosh. That's amazing, though. Thank you so much for spotting that and putting my mind at ease. It's <laughs> everywhere now. Like, that's amazing. All right. So after they fall from the sky, uh, Anakin manages to save the landing ish uh they do crash but you know they're alive so any landing you can walk away from is a good one another happy landing says obi-wan another happy landing he says as he runs a hand through his glorious hair (laughs) i love it the hand the hair the beard it's all there i have been withholding (laughs) not everyone on the women's of the will podcast is an obi-wan fan (laughs) i i'm sorry absolutely am i am too like he can he's a little polarizing for i think more so female fans yeah um but for me i'm like this is where i truly i fell in love with his character because he's not as stoic um but i i I can also i really can see like how we're we won't get into it i but yeah I, I i can see it no and i definitely i get that too like but he's always he is definitely a polarizing topic. Um, and interesting that you do say uh, for female fans, because like, I believe I've noticed that as well. And totally cool if you do not like uh, Obi-Wan. Um, because, oh, I just want to like, make sure that everyone oh, yeah. clear on my feelings. Oh, yeah. No, you're, you're fine. Like, I, dis- I absolutely dislike Mace Windu very strongly. So, like, you know, not, and there's just, like, yeah. there's going to be characters that we don't all agree on. Everyone should hate Miss Windu because he's terrible. Wonderful. That is wonderful that there are so many characters because you get to pick and choose who you love and you are not required to uh, love uh, Boba Fett unconditionally. I don't. I don't. No, I don't. (laughs) Real real men have more than a Boba Fett t shirt. now become a uh, iconic who we like who we do not like <coughs> boba fett no i'm kidding so anyway. <laughs> <laughs> boba fett and the obi-wan aside uh yeah. they make another happy landing and they are there on on the ground they end up they get out and they are in like this cool little transport you get these really cool shots of coruscant which by the way this movie is so beautiful I don't know why we haven't mentioned that yet, right? but the cinematography in this film is just amazing. The cinnamon topography. Cinnamon topography. <laughs> uh, Coruscant is like bay. I uh, am obsessed this uh, to see like so much of it and see like a city, but it's the city is the whole planet. It's <sighs> horrifying. It's horrifying, it's so horrifying, yet fascinating to me. But it's like, yeah. it's, it's so cool. Yeah, as as someone who lives... Sorry. I, I was just going to say, as someone who lives in a huge city, yeah. uh, it's nice to be able to drive away. <laughs> yeah. 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 Living in L.A. all the time. Like, I would... Uh, no. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah. But just like about Coruscant, you know, back to the whole, um, you know, it's actually a war zone and things are falling to the earth. And um, a lot of what we see in Clone Wars about it, the underlayers and how terrifying um, we only see the beautiful parts of Coruscant. Um, that's 
something we should we're probably going to talk about a lot if we do our political episode, Nettie, because oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm like salivating for that episode. I cannot wait. <laughs> politics of you know the republic and the jedi the jedi temple is the most beautiful place in coruscant and we don't see the lower levels from the temple mm-hmm. and just like that's what we see what you know anakin and obi-wan are the war heroes who descend to earth from their you know victory and they go straight to the beautiful part of coruscant where the beautiful people are waiting and their beautiful book robes and beautiful wife hiding behind a beautiful pillar. And I mean, like, it's ironic that all this beautiful stuff is, like, the the Senate, like, everything is just sitting on top of very underprivileged people. All this kind of stuff. On the lower levels, of course, not. it's all sitting on top of it. Very relevant. Yeah, very relevant right now, too, I think. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Like, literally sitting on the backs of, of people. And it's like, yeah. people that you've done wrong, that society has done wrong. And it's like, you you built a government on top of that. Like, literally on top of it. And it's like, oh, that's not subtle at all. Like, what so, do you guys think you know. of the comparison of the upper levels of Coruscant equals, like, Mount Olympus? Like, mm. God? And not- I think... I, I think- I maybe call the temple Mount Olympus, but I don't think anyone would equate the Senate to Mount Olympus. Yeah, no, no. More of a temple when I said that. I see it. I see it. I mean, they're god. They're it's the hubris. We go back to the hubris of it. They're like gods. Look they're at, gods look at up the there. Temple. Yeah. Look at the giant statues. Like for for, for me, that's like the symbol of we're the coolest, the baddest, like, like we, we know we're, we are not, cons- it's almost like we're almost. not concerned with anyone else. And they, you know, <laughs> it's just those staff. It's so intimidating and stark looking. Definitely would love to talk more about that on an upcoming yeah, episode, politics yeah, and Star Wars. That'll get juicy. <laughs> I'm happy for that one. <laughs> Going forward into the landing, um, when they arrive, I like the novels, um, interpretation better because um, when they land, it's Mace waiting for them. Um, and he goes like, "Oh, I don't like Mace. Don't get me wrong. We um, know." <laughs> but he says, you know, like Chancellor, are you hurt? Like the Holonet wants to take a statement. And then he turns to um, Obi Wan and Anakin and like, "Are you guys okay? Like, what happened? What happened to Grievous? What happened to do?" And then uh, Anakin was like, "Duke was there, and he's dead now." And Mace is like flabbergasted. Like what? You killed Count as Dooku? much as he can be flabbergasted. My God, he says it. To, he says to Obi Wan, "Wait, you killed Dooku?" And then Obi Wan says, "No, Anakin killed Dooku." And Mace is like shocked. Mace is like, to do about it?" Oh, <laughs> like uh, Dooku was to the Separatists what Palpatine was to Republic, the center of gravity binding together a spiral galaxy of special interests. With Dooku gone, the Confederacy of Independent Systems would no longer really be a Confederacy at all. They'd fly to pieces within weeks, within days. So he's like, you know, oh my god, it's like Christmas. Right. Um, Like, what just happened? (laughs) Yeah, like, totally unexpected what would happen. Um, But he, you know, was like, can't believe that Anakin did it. Um and, you know, here's Palpatine offering all his praise and stuff, blah, blah, blah. I'm insulted, uh-huh. kind of, like, almost, like, because, like, when I read that part, to me, it came off as him? 
he did that? Like, excuse you? Do you not know this guy? Do you not know who he is? Like, excuse you, Mace. Like, he uh, is capable. There's all this, like, the that I talk, but, um, when they, then they, like, also go, then they go from the private landing platform to the Senate offices, where, um, Obi-Wan basically, like, shoves Anakin forward to be the poster boy, um, <laughs> For the landing, and that's what we see in the, the movie when they're all like, "Oh my god, right. you're okay!" And he's off, like you know, being the superstar that the galaxy knows him to be. Um, but just because Obi Wan doesn't want to deal with, I mean, yeah, he has to be at the temple, but also like Obi Wan has no interest in being the hero. Um, I have no, no taste interest. for politics. Jedi, well, in Jedi, don't really have, you know, the desire to be the poster boy, right? Not, in their nature, so... The or that he, anything that should be in their nature, Anakin, right. Right, thing that he already knows that Anakin would want to do that is just, you know... Right. Another, another little, you know, piece of the pile of him, you know, slowly straying from his Jedi ways. Right, no, definitely. Straying to his pregnant wife. Oh, you know, yes. Straying from my ways. <sighs> Here comes Padme. <laughs> Padme is there in the shadows as Tammy. Tammy had a few notes on this. Uh, go yeah, ahead. Like, <laughs> let me find where I wrote this. Um, <laughs> I had written something about Anakin talked to Bail right before he ran to Padme. Right. Um, who had, was pregnant with Leia and has her Leia buns. So it's like <laughs> the biggest Leia reference. It's so possible. cute. I love it. Um, and so Patty is hiding in the shadows. Uh, they're reunited, and that's really interesting because basically all of their intimate scenes together in this movie are in the shadows Dark. at night. Yeah. Sunset kind of um, ruminations are kind of an intimate scene, I guess, in, in one way. But, um, well, yes, that's also in Attack of the Clones, which we talked about. Um, oh, the, gosh. <laughs> right, yeah. So, oh. I, I put um, a note that I'm they're connecting intimacy, uh, romantic int intimacy with the dark side by you know placing them all at, at night. Yeah, fireplace, anyone? <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. And like that, that, um, that's very true because, like. As if anybody who doesn't know, I study um, studio studio art uh, at my school, and I have taken a lot of uh, videography, cinematography-ish type uh, classes that set, that talk about cinematography um, and like styles for videography, directing, and all kinds of stuff. Um, and like you know what you're supposed to do, how you're supposed to convey emotion through the camera, and you know what you were just talking about, the lighting. Uh, that is very key because that type of low lighting is definitely a signaler for, hey, this is a special moment uh, between these two characters. Um, and it is not a platonic moment, um, nine times out of ten. Uh, un <laughs> un unless it's, you know, Luke Skywalker burning his dead dad at the end of Return of the Jedi, yeah, which right. has the same lighting. But it is, at the same time, that is also an intimate moment because it's a fam familial type of relationship. And it does indicate 
certain types of relationships. It again, it depends on what the characters are doing uh, in the scene, but it does indicate an extreme closeness um, because that signals almost like a comfort to be in the same area with the other person in a low light setting which is typically that's like a almost like a, a signal of trust in a way uh that as we as humans kind of interpret that uh subconsciously so that's pretty okay. cool also, but, i was gonna say like you also have this uh knight in this movie uh and his intimacy with padme being very closely tied to these nightmares, which is the next scene. I don't know if you want to segue to that already or not. Yeah, but, we, like, okay, so... You know, intimacy being so closely related with fear for Anakin, I think is really important. Yeah, I agree. And, yeah, we can totally segue into into that part. Um, pretty much nothing really... Uh, nothing really happens between between their meeting... Uh, after uh, right there and besides she tells Anakin that she's pregnant and that's basically it Anakin's reaction it, it gets me every time because it's like that, right? that, that, that's wonderful <laughs> so like yes it is it's like, it looks like he's about to like it looks like he's about to just be like uh like really upset like I they have every time that I temple like does he really know what's going on here? Um, sorry, that was probably <laughs> <laughs> no. You're fine. Like no, and I I understand your interpretation of it definitely, uh, but at the same time, my my interpretation of this is like you have to put yourself in his his shoes to be able to understand right. what's pro- what's what's happening, and it's like it's terrifying because he's married yeah. to a senator. He's a Jedi, right? And he looks woman more than he loves anything else on the like in the galaxy and you see him go through these stages of acceptance literally in those five seconds where he's reacting to being told that and again people say Hayden Christensen can't act please it was just the script that he was given that was the issue if you've seen him in any other movies this boy can act and he does great in this film in my opinion this is his best film Uh, out of Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith this is his best one and Uh, he is. Oh, go ahead. I found the page I was looking for. I'm reading a passage from the book because it's important about darkness. Okay. Um, because so we're talking about the dark being comfortable, and I think, think that's a, that's also a psychology thing. Um, yeah. Dark harkening back to the womb and being safe. Um, but this is one of the first passages in the book. Um, the dark is generous. Its first gift is concealment. Our true faces lie in the dark beneath our skins. Our our true hearts remain shadowed deeper still. But the greatest concealment lies not in protecting our secret truths, but in hiding from us the truths of others. The dark protects us from what we dare not know. Uh Its second gift is comforting illusion, the ease of gentle dreams and night's embrace, the beauty that imagination brings to what would repel in day's harsh light. But the greatest gift of its comfort is the illusion that the dark is temporary, that every night brings a new day. Because it is day that is temporary. Day is the illusion. That's interesting. That's a that's a cool way to to look at it. And like, darkest here's the, like, yeah. and I think that's that's an interesting way to read it though, as like dark is safe. Because like I agree totally, one hundred thousand percent. But again, 
having taken like I've taken like a lot of human studies courses as well because I'm a creative writing major at the same time and like to write humans you, know, you have to understand them you know basic anthropology all this other kinds of crazy stuff that I've taken and we not only we're very almost it's weird how we as humans interact with dark because what you just said is spot on but there's also a complete flip side to darkness is safe darkness is also death and that's something that we've also connotated darkness with throughout the ages um because okay dark is safe for all the reasons that you just listed but dark is also dangerous because you know way back to when we were living in caves you know when we were first you know becoming humans it's like we connotated darkness with death because of all this like it was we it was full of things we didn't understand um like you know predators and all kinds of stuff that you know came out of it and it's it's all it's terrifying but a lot of people find that weird balance between and a lot of people like personalities like lives like it's, it's a chaotic like you no know, way to me but that's kind of how Anakin is he's always towed that balance between comfort and insanity almost like you know the way he loves to chase like all these crazy like new things and stuff like that but he's so reluctant to let things go it's almost like he he longs for the new yet he holds on to the old like so 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 hard and it's like that kind of struggle between both halves of not light and dark but both halves of darkness as what's interpreted of how you and me have just interpreted it and I think that's pretty wild but like at the same time to me that kind of describes Anakin Skywalker to a T and go ahead I totally agree with you, but um I I think in the context of Anakin and Padme specifically I don't think it's the dark is necessarily a conflict I think the dark is anonymous and the dark is I mean like you know the dark protects you from what's around you but it also protects you from the things that you can't see well here's and here's my rebuttal to that the dark for them the dark for them was safe but was it really because what no, they well what they it was an illusion exactly because the illusion was where that was where the danger was hidden and literally the exact thing that they were doing they wouldn't have oh, needed no, the dark right i'm just saying if were anakin skywalker and padme i would hide in the dark because it made them feel safe right 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 that's all. But you don't know what else is hiding in the dark with you. Right. Exactly. If you are arrogant Anakin who believes that he is powerful enough to protect his loved one from dying, I would not be afraid of the dark. Right. Right, right, right. And that's where he gets into the mess that he gets into later on in this film. <laughs> so, speaking of weird force stuff and all kinds of crazy stuff like that, um, here we have... Anakin's nightmare that he has uh, while sleeping. Um, basically, his nightmare is of Padme. Uh, Padme dying in childbirth, as he tells her later. And it's mostly a series of sounds um, that he yeah. hears. Uh, the visuals are very not there. You can, we, we as viewers, you know, we can tell what they are. Um, but at the same time, it's like, you know, it's, it's weird. It's that weird type of dream state type of vision type of thing. And then it cuts out and then that's, that's the end. Uh, the music here is very, very, very interesting. Um, the track name, 
hang on, let me find it. Okay, the track name for it is Anakin's Dream. Uh, very straightforward title. Uh, but the if you <laughs> listen to listen to the track, um, and I'll insert it in here as we're speaking, so our listeners can hear it. Uh, it starts off very beautifully. Uh, it's the this track actually begins where Padme's out on the balcony brushing her hair, and Anakin is uh, speaking to her. Um, that whole exchange, um, you know, is, has love has blinded you. Then that whole exchange that they have, and it actually starts off in that spot. So just purely listening to the track, you're hearing this beautiful rendition of well, it's always beautiful, but of Across the Stars by John Williams, and suddenly. Uh, about a third of the way through it, no, three-fourths of the way through it, um, the the music just changes and it goes into this horrible, just like the, the, the strings, just all kinds of crazy stuff just happens, <laughs> crescendo in the background and it's like, what's going on? And if you're not watching the movie while you're listening to it, you think like, you know what just happened on screen and like you know molly i'm kind of interested to hear what you have to say in terms of this track um given that you actually were able to listen to the track before this movie came out did you listen to this track uh yeah i um am a very romantic person and so when i saw you know anakin's dream i was just like ooh what could it be? And then you, <laughs> you hear it, and it's like torture um, by the end of it. And in fact, I had, um, I, there were a few songs that, that I would, I would skip over. Oh no. Sometimes. Um, this was, well, just cause like, at you know, my age, it's just like, I don't know. I'm just, it was too, it wasn't that it was like too dark. It was just, it was unsettling and not, Right. And it's unpleasant to listen to, but um, it wasn't what you wanted to hear. To dissonant music. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I, I feel like we all changed our opinion about that hearing like anything involving Kylo Ren, and we're like, we love it. It's beautiful. Yes. But uh, for this one, it's just like it's just it's so. I mean, I could talk about. I could, you know, probably me and time we could do like a whole musical analysis. Like it's. There's so much to this soundtrack. And this one, for me, I think the visuals are more, not that, I want to say more important. I think it's just, like, more powerful when you see the visions as opposed Mm -hmm. to just the music. Because it's, like, in context, or out of context, it isn't enjoyable to listen to. No. Yeah, I agree. That's just why I asked your your opinion on that. Because, like, that, listening to the track on its own, I can only imagine, like, what, your thoughts were hearing that without having seen the film first. A lot like, of confusion, I think. Yeah. I think there was a lot of raised eyebrows uh, from me. But <laughs> yeah. A, l- a little bit confusion. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I would agree. So, moving on to the actual, like, um, meat of the vision itself. Uh, as I said, it was just it was just of Padme. Uh, just of Padme uh, and her potential, her potential death. What I wanted to talk about for a second... Um, where was the idea of what exactly 
is the force saying when it shows you a possible vision of the future. We've seen this occur several times in the Star Wars films. Uh, first time we saw it a long time ago was with Luke when he saw his friends being tortured on Dag uh, um, when he was on Dagobah. And uh, Yoda's warning to him, you know, was to not go, don't go, because if you do, you'll destroy everything that they fought so hard for. And that happens. He ends up going, and he ends up messing a lot of stuff up. Uh, Han ends yeah. up getting frozen in carbonate, taking a job as palace. He ends up getting his arm sliced off, and surprise father reveal. And all yeah. that was really fun for him, I bet. So he had quite a day, and I bet he had wished he had listened to Yoda at the end of that. But at the same time, it's Luke. would he? It's Luke. But would it have really have been best? to heed Yoda's advice and not to have gone. That's a discussion for another time. But the important thing I want to focus on here is the Force is showing Luke what's happening to his friends, to people he cares about. The same thing is happening with Anakin Skywalker. Luke was not in that vision that he had of his friends. The, vo the vision was not about him. The vision of Anakin wasn't about him either. The they the whole idea flipping all the way back to what the Jedi center themselves on, what they build themselves upon, is that they are selfless. They give themselves over entirely to the Force. All is as the Force wills it, because they are one with the Force. And to me, this is kind of where, if, again, if you've read Master and Apprentice, this is extremely important as well because that deals a lot with the idea of prophecy, which we'll talk about later. That's different than uh, visions of the future. How is it? I'll talk about that later when we get into prophecies. But this part is pretty cool to me because, like I said, the idea of the Jedi is that they're selfless. So Luke and Anakin are both seeing visions of their friends. The idea of a Jedi is to help those who are in need. Yet Yoda tells him he cannot go and save his friends because it would destroy everything that they fought for, whatever that meant. And they, same thing almost in a way happens to Anakin. Anakin later on in the movie go, actually does go to Yoda, <laughs> parallel right here, where he goes to him and asks him, you know, like, that he's having these premonitions. And Yoda specifically asks, of you or of someone else? And he's... Go ahead. Uh, that scene is uh -huh. in the dark. All the blinds are shut. Yes. In that room when they are having that conversation. You can just see the slats of light on their yeah. face. Yes, and that's very important as well. And, like, Yoda also tells him in that moment, he's like train yourself to let go of everything that you fear to lose. Like Yoda had a Yoda had an inkling about this kid. You know, he knew that something was up. He knew that something was going on. But here's my thing. Here's what the almost hypocrisy of the Jedi comes into play to me. Because like I said over and over and over again, they keep preaching about selflessness, helping others who cannot help themselves. But when the Jedi just happens to be friends or associated with yeah. the people that need help, suddenly it's not okay. And that happens a lot in Clone Wars as well, as you'll see in, in Master and Apprentice, Jedi Lost. You know, that comes into play a lot. Um, Dark Disciple as well. And it's like, where do you draw the line? How do you... 
how do you separate yourself? Are you supposed to separate yourself? Is it good to separate yourself from that? You know, to move yourself away from the conflict is almost like what the Senate the Republic Senate is doing with the people, with its senators. It's moving its senators out of their home worlds, detaching them from the actual problems that the home their their home worlds are facing, to where they're just there to have the basically a good time, like fighting in the Senate. Like that's all they're doing, and that's what they're reduced to nothing. They're good for nothing, basically. Nothing ever happens on the Senate yeah. floor, and that's what ends up happening with the Jedi. And so, going back to his dream what Anakin takes the steps he he uses this dream as a platform to take the steps necessary to prevent it from happening because it's happened to him before with his mother and he did nothing about it because he couldn't because he was held under his title as Padawan he had to listen to what Obi-Wan said and all this other stuff and that was something that was pushed down, you know, you're supposed to let go of your attachments, you're supposed to let go of your mother and all this kind of stuff, and that was just pushed away. And now he feels like this is something that he has to change, almost as it's still guilt over what happened to his mother that he now at all costs has to save her. Yeah, it's... Yeah. <laughs> that was I a lot. Have, I have um an interesting thought that I never really thought of before <laughs> about visions, the vision here, this specific vision. So I think timing of when people have these visions is really important. Um like what happens immediately before this vision, what what are the actions that it triggers? Um, does the vision itself trigger the action, or was the action going to happen anyway, and the vision was just, you know, telling you? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so, no, that's that's a good question. It's a well, it's a good question. Very good I question. Specifically, was thinking of what happened the day the day before Anakin went to bed this night and had this dream. Um, he killed Count Dooku. Mm. Um, oh my goodness he touched the dark side of the force in that way Um, and perhaps this vision is a warning from the force that's saying if you continue down this path this is what's going to happen oh wow that's true I, I think that's like with with Rey and Kylo's vision in The Last Jedi um, they were chilling out together, <laughs> um, getting along, okay, and then they had a vision, and it was like, if you continue down this path, this is what's going to happen, whatever Ooh. happened in the vision. Whatever happened in the vision, we still don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah. See, that's, that's what the, the, the reason why in Star Wars people are having these types of visions. That's true, and it's like... Yeah, like, what did you eat before you went to sleep? You know, like, what what did you do? Like, no, that's definitely true. Is this a is this a pizza dream? No, like, seriously though, you're you're, you're so right though. You are so right. Like, that's something. That's definitely something to think about. Definitely. Um, could we entertain the idea that this dream was 
somehow planted by Palpatine? Is that something? Okay. Yeah. I mean, hey, it's possible for a dark side user to, like, infiltrate a mother's womb. Sure, that's definitely possible. (laughs) Okay, see, like, I come from the camp of, like, no, I do not think, like, okay, looking at, um, because we all know that Ryan directly pulled uh, from the prequels for The Last Jedi. And right. I, I've always thought, I've, I've always disagreed with the, because we don't know if this, if Snoke's telling the truth about him uh, creating the, um, like, the Force, I, the Force Bond, and I just, like, right. I don't believe it. Right. I also don't believe that these, I think that the Force visions are, like, it's super weird that we kind of are just presented with them and we're just expected to take them at face value without much explanation because we don't know is anyone else having these kinds of visions how are they processed it's kind of the same way that you don't get to experience the jedi trials you just say oh okay well anakin went through them like that's that's really all you get and that's the unfortunate that's the one thing that and it's not just the prequels it's like any it's the only ones that have really explored anything, any sort of history within the uh, movies. It's more so the sequel trilogy, and even then, it's not that much. Oh yeah. And I think that the I think the Force visions are just another part of it that we could use either a lot more background to, or just okay, we are supposed to take them at face value. It's just one of those weird, those weird things. And Anakin's are just like, I personally, I prefer, um, or at least I. I I think they're a bit, I think it's a bit literal. Um, yeah. Maybe a little too literal. Cause it's literally just pulling from her, uh, actual scene later. And it's yeah. like, wow, that's like an actual <laughs> thing that's happening. It's not something that's a little bit more ambiguous and has more meaning to it. So that's why it's like, if it were, it's kind of like Ray's, um, when she's, um, looking at all of the copies of herself and yeah. just trying to figure out what, what does that mean? Um, whereas Anakin's really like, oh, okay, she's dying in childbirth. So that's definitely true. That's definitely true. And like what you mentioned earlier, like how do you, what to what extent do you believe, like you know what these people are saying, especially with Snoke, like oh, I, it was I who bridged your minds. You know, I, I think that's true from a certain point of view. You know, from a his point, point of view, of yeah. View. And that's the kind of idea you have to take throughout that's like something that's been carried throughout the entirety of oh, yeah. these trilogies from a certain point of view this is definitely true and on purpose to us yeah they do and it's aggravating but it's so cool at the same time <laughs> and like that's that's another thing that's another thing that they're i love about it they're laughing at us but you know <laughs> it's all right but uh yeah so tammy megan did you have any other things to say about this uh sequence I think uh, the the Force visions are the one thing that I'm just not very confident about um, in my own interpretation. So I was totally fine to just let you guys take that one away. <laughs> That's essentially what I said, though, in just like a really long-winded way that I'm just not totally sure. Well, I'm not convinced that... Um, I Part of me just wants to believe that Palpatine is behind more than we think it he is just because like that makes it easier for me to digest how oh, terrible cool. right um because i i mean i especially if he's especially if he's coming back in nine um oh yeah i like don't think we should underestimate him 
Well, not that we do. I mean, he's terrible, but um, right. Like we don't know the extent of his power, and there's nothing quite in canon that. I mean, I also haven't read Lords of the Sith yet. Um, mm-hmm. But you're not missing you know, anything. I don't. <laughs> we're ever going to know the extent of his powers because he was not only the Sith Lord, but he was the Sith Lord who managed to, you know, deceive an entire galaxy. So I, I mean, yeah, we could easily take the, you know, these visions at face value and that may be the, the, the correct answer, but I don't know if I'm ready to dismiss the idea that he could have just had it all in under his belt begin with yeah <laughs> <laughs> if we talk about this idea for a second of uh it, you know palpatine actually doing it it kind of it could connect to what i said earlier is if that was a, if killing dooku was a test from palpatine then um you know anakin passed the test so now it's time for me to give him this vision but also palpatine would have to know that padme was pregnant which i mean she hasn't oh, shown yeah, he did he no, okay, they also, I think it's a attack. <laughs> Everyone attack! <laughs> um, in the attack of the, no, in this novelization, Palpatine knows that they're married. Right. Um, because he says something along the lines of, you know, you're not the only one who has access to the clergy of Naboo. Or, like, I have lots of old friends. So creepy. Terrifying. So he knows they're married. And he, like, because he says, like, he's like, oh, your wife? And Anakin's all like, I don't know what wife. Um, but I I think he knows more than we think. He, and it, even if his plan was for Obi-Wan to die and for Anakin to just, you know, go to the dark side immediately there, he had this backup plan ready. So, I don't know. I feel like he... Even if he didn't create the vision himself, he had to have been aware of it. I mean, he is aware of it. And the fact that he is aware of it has to be... I mean, doesn't he say, like, verbatim, like, have you been having any bad dreams about your secret wife lately? Yeah. Yeah. That's why I love him. (laughs) I mean, creepy. Even if he didn't know about the specific vision, there's no way... Have their apartment bug. Well, I mean, mean, also... His line later in the movie to him, though, like, uh, to save your wife from dying, and then insert creepy smile here. Yeah, he literally says it. So, I mean, he knows what's happening. He knows what's happening. And I feel like the idea of force reaching down and being like, uh uh uh, Anakin, if you keep doing it this way, Padme's gonna die. Mm, yes. And you're, that could be, but I don't know. It seems a little too. The dental, but like, there's no way Palp didn't have his hand in this. He's like, he's like the kid at school who just like, you know, takes a bite out of everyone's cookies when they're not looking, and just like, hey, <laughs> <laughs> I don't, because I don't, I can't imagine him being that powerful and not having the power to do this. Oh, exactly, exactly, I agree. So, okay, did you guys have anything more you wanted to say about this part? I had super secret polls that um, had nothing oh, to do yeah. with what you talked about. Okay, so, so... I did not look. I promise I did not look. So, so really quick. Um, so, we're going to cut this episode off, guys. Um, we are going to release this probably in a... Possibly in a three-parter, maybe a two-parter. We'll see how it goes. Um, but, yeah, 
So we don't want to overwhelm you guys with a really long episode. So we're just gonna we're just gonna break it up. But we're gonna stop it here, and go ahead, uh, Megan. You had some say, stuff you wanted. I'm wearing my I'm wearing my my Padme and Anakin celebration T-shirt. Yes, I saw that. that. <laughs> I'm wearing my Anadala shirt. I saw that. So Dan cute. Forever. Love it. Um, Love. Did you want to share your poll? Sure. So I was just asking fun questions. Um, I like fun questions because they make me happy. Um, so I, I put a poll up. Um, so the first poll was what, so question, question one, what is the best lightsaber duel in Revenge of the Sith? Is it Anakin and Obi-Wan versus Dooku? Yes. Obi-Wan versus... (laughs) No. Yoda versus Palpatine or Obi-Wan versus Anakin? (laughs) Obi-Wan versus Anakin. Yoda, Palpatine. 82% said Obi-Wan versus Anakin. I was I would say Obi Wan versus Grievous for my personal choice because I love that fight so much. But zero percent, Megan. Zero percent. Literally zero percent. The next question was: How dare they? Um, our friend DJ Brady ninety six, David Brady, uh, responded to all of these. So I stand you, David Brady. Thanks. Thank you, David. But the, so his opinion for best Padme outfit were actually my two choices. Um, the, either the funeral outfit or her This Is How Liberty Dies outfit. Um, I think her funeral outfit is the most beautiful outfit in the movie. Oh my god. Uh, I'm partial to the to the two this buns where she first meets Anakin. Especially because, especially because her headpiece in that becomes yeah. part of the story later. So That's true. Uh, and then question three was most awkward moment. <laughs> oh, yeah. David Brady said, where's Padme? <laughs> Oh, they're just like, oh, that hurts. Wait, 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 quick thing. Um, it's absolutely for me because we talked about it. Um, my when my theater, like when I saw it, it was the moment it was. And if you've never noticed this, please go back and watch Revenge of the Sith and pay attention to it. It's when Padme is brushing her hair and she turns around the lighting. I mean, Natalie Portman is like one of the most beautiful women mm. in the world and the lighting there it just it's just the second when she turns around something about it caused my entire theater to laugh what and yeah okay just like go back and look at it oh my god i know it's it almost and i noticed it right away too and it's awkward though where He's, she's like, so love has blinded you? And he's like, yeah. I'm yeah. He's like, how <laughs> chuckled. <laughs> that's the most awkward moment for me, just because I distinctly remember everyone like laughing, not nervously, but <laughs> the whole theater reacted to the lighting when she turned around. So anyway, go back and watch it. But um, I'm curious what the answer was that you got, Megan. That's interesting. Um, yeah, it was. it was just the... Where oh, the, past, the yeah, but um, I don't know what what I would say. I mean, if, if I'm thinking like my own personal cringeworthy things, um, maybe when Jar Jar is granting emergency powers. Um, <laughs> no, no, that's my favorite scene. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's not his fault. I will not stand for such slander. <laughs> well, and the opera scene is awkward. Um, oh my I mean, god, no! <laughs> I love it. No, 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 I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it's supposed to be like uncomfortable. Right, 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 right. Oh, yeah, Definitely. Awkward. I think uncomfortable and awkward are two different. So maybe we'll think about this one. So think about the awkward thing as we come back to our discussion. Okay. No, I definitely or, think 
the most awkward is the that that balcony scene, just the exchange. Yeah, yeah, maybe. So which one? So the, the one you were talking about. That was blinded you. Yeah, yeah. Um, the most question four was most underrated scene. Um, David Brady thinks it's the scene where. Um, Obi Wan and Padme are talking about how Anakin has gone to the dark side. Oh. I think that's really powerful. Uh, no, you're saying it's underrated. No one appreciates. Oh, that's it. fair. That's fair. Okay. Yeah. Um, I honestly would probably agree. Um, I think there are a lot of little Obi Wan. Basically, any 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 interaction between Obi Wan and Padme is yeah. super underrated. Um, I there's a single. Are there is here? I just need to know. Yes. Not, yes. No. Yes. No. I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna cry now. Bye. I, I am. I am. Tammy. Chemistry. I am. <laughs> but yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. I just don't agree. I mean, like, would I? Would I like that they were like when a? I would consider that almost like a crack ship, I guess, for myself. But yeah. I mean, no. they would be perfect, and they'd make beautiful babies. Oh but, yes, definitely. Um, but then we wouldn't have. <laughs> like you're shipping them to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, but then, like, just the whole episode on, like, cat ships. Yes. Here's the thing. I don't have cat ships because I am such a, a disgustingly devout follower of canon. <laughs> and like, Same. Just this one. Like, I, I am too, but I like to make fun of it, so. <laughs> I don't ship things. I, I either ship canon things or don't ship them at all. Like, I don't have weird I ship new Gunray with everyone. So. But why not yeah. Jar 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 Gunray? That's my uh, ultimate <laughs> ultimate. That's, that's the ship. Your OCP, Molly. <laughs> um, yeah, no. Uh, yes. And fun fact: If you didn't know this about Molly, she is a new <laughs> stand to shame all new Gunray stands. So yep. Yes, all zero of them. I despise Newt Gunray, so I'll just let you two love him. Oh, well, I mean, you know, I get that question a lot on, uh, not a lot, I make it sound like this is every day. I've had it a couple times on um, Curious Cat, which that's like, if I was one of them. politics and Star Wars. Yeah, like, why do you love the Trade Federation? And yeah. it's like, definitely for another time, like, talking about politics within Star Wars, because that's like, a whole thing, so yeah, I get it. I was um, I was one of those people, by the way, who asked you on Curious Cat why you like your gun. The reveal. <laughs> the reveal. <laughs> I just had to know. <laughs> I love it. I love if it. If I was to answer the underrated scene question, I I would say Padme's ruminations, but I feel like everyone loves that now that I'm like part of online fandom. Oh yeah. When I. It was just me by my lonesome um, Star Wars fandom. Like I was, I would be like, "You guys, this is the greatest scene in cinematic history." Oh, definitely. And people would just be like, uh, "Okay, whatever." <laughs> but I guess that's that's the difference between like online Star Wars fandom versus. Like, like, I can hear that scene definitely. in my head whenever I think about it. Same, same. Um, it's so good. Um, real quick, and don't worry, I'm not going to go on a long. Uh, tangent about it. Um, I was gonna say my uh, most underrated is Boga. Um, yes. It's yes. Boga. It's Boga. It's any all of the world build, building of Uzupal. I think it's like completely 
Like the only part that anybody ever remembers is Grievous and Obi-Wan fighting. And I think there is like the, I think the world building there is so cool. And that's all I'm going to say, but Molly, Molly please a, read Master and Apprentice. Okay. okay. <laughs> I have a friend who is uh, like the biggest like Cowan fan and like fan of <laughs> That's amazing. So I did cool. not know that those existed. That's cool. <laughs> they're I so cool. Her at. Okay. Molly. I love oh, them. Wait, can, you, can we? Yeah. Right, I'm thinking of D23 cosplays. Anyways. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love it. All right. So our last question was number five. What's the funniest moment in the film? And um, David Brady said he posted the gif of Yoda knocking out the two Imperial guards. Same. In the doorway. That's a great moment. Okay. Mine is like right there with that one. It's mine is actually the part right in that scene, but where Yoda force pushes uh, Palpatine into the chair. Yes. That's my favorite one. That's a great, it's a great. I have it saved as like a reaction meme and I like, I use it constantly on Suara, who is like always posting Mm -hmm. baldy stuff and I just like push him into the chair. (laughs) Every time. I don't even know what mine would be. I mean, maybe R2 torching the battle droids? Yes. Uh, That's a good one. There are a lot of things about the beginning like we talked about but yeah, i think for me it's just the general anakin obi-wan banter in the beginning yeah that's a good that's one a, a, is intentionally not funny okay there's uh, nothing yeah funny. it's not the last jedi where we like we got like really good jokes that land we like we got we got spoiled um but i'm all i'm disappointed in all of you for not choosing hello there yeah the best well, it's really funny now, though. But that's funny. Like, it's not that funny, like, without memes. Yeah. It's, yeah, that's only funny because it's a meme. And granted, it's the best meme. I, I Like, that and Do It are tied for best meme. But I don't think, like, in context, yeah, it's hilarious. But it's more, like, just perfect Obi-Wan and less, like, you know, intentionally funny. Definitely. Um. But I think the funniest part of that scene isn't even the hello there. It's the so uncivilized after he kills him. That's true. Um, <laughs> That's very true. You know, he like throws away the blaster and be like, oh, so uncivilized. Like, yes, Obi-Wan, you precious baby. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, we'll think about this more. Um, Nettie, do you think this is going to be published before we report the next one? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, listeners, if you are listening to this, pay attention. I'm going to post more questions for the next episode, probably. So, I'll actually announce it this time instead of just spawning it the minute of. Yeah, this is kind of random. (laughs) Yeah. I was bored. You know what? Totally fine. Uh, All right. So, without further ado, we're going to have to say goodbye, and we're going to see you guys next time. So, signing off. I am Nettie, and you can find me on Twitter at Nettie underscore Nerf Herder. Um, Megan and Molly, where can they find you guys? Um, go ahead. Uh, I can be found at MegMeg1010. <laughs> and Molly? Um, <laughs> I think I have to spell it. You can find me at Darth Molly, but it's Molly like, as in Darth Maul, so M-A-U-L-L-I-E. Awesome, and... Uh, yeah, 
any comments you have for Tammy, you can pass them on to either of us and we'll give them to her. <laughs> and I will try uh, to her and uh, hand deliver them. Yep. All right. So I'm signing off. Uh, this previously known as Ben's calligraphy, but yeah, you can <laughs> you can send stuff to Kennedy. She's alive and well. We'll let her. We'll let her know if you're lost. <laughs> Alright, so signing off you guys. We'll see you guys next time. Um, have a great one. And yeah. we'll be see y'all around. Bye!